Listen, I have a tremendous favor to ask. I do favors. I think something's happening here. What? I think she wants me to take her home. Wow. What should I do? Go. What could you do? What about you? Ah, uh, I'll get a ride. Are you sure? I'll be fine. What did she say? She told me she wants me to make love to her. What? She said that? Yeah. Get out of here. I swear. What did you say? I, I can't. What did you say? Please, it's... What? Uh, I, uh... I long for you? I long for you? I was so shocked. I was lucky I said anything. It's okay. That's not bad. I don't like when a woman says, make love to me. It's intimidating. The last time a woman said that to me, I wound up apologizing to her. Really? That's a lot of pressure. Make love to me. What am I, in the circus? What if I can't deliver? Oh, come on. I can't perform under pressure. That's why I never play anything for money. I choke. I could choke tonight. And she works in my office. Can you imagine? She goes around telling everyone what happened. Maybe I should cancel. I have a very bad feeling about this. You're thinking too much. I know, I know, I can't stop it. January 29th, 2017. Hello, everybody. Hi! Hello, everybody. We're back. I have a margarita. I'm also wearing my working pajamas. Are we just announcing things now? My working pajamas. I'm holding a post-it. Are the same as my pajama pajamas, but they're working pajamas right now. That margarita is strong. I can smell it all the way over here. Or is that your breath? Oh, it might be your breath. You're a little boozy. It it's both. Mm. You're probably smelling both things. <laughs> it's a good margarita. Uh huh. You've got the post-it. I have the post-it. Let's roll. Feeling a little loose, are you? No. Loose and free? I don't know. We'll punch you, see how loose and free it feels. <laughs> Violence is not funny. Okay. It can be. Well, in this instance, it's not because it's directed at me. Okay. Mm. Well, why don't we start with the biggest news that we have? Well, that's no good. Then everyone's going to listen and then turn it off. Well, then that's their loss. They'll miss out on all our no, sweet no. charm. You got to start small and build. Boring. Okay, fine. I was going to give you the big news. Just know who to blame for this, folks. Now ah. you have to wait and listen for a few more minutes. That's right. Which you, you weren't going to do anyway. Put up sure. with us. Fine. Fine. Okay. Okay. Um, The coming soon section on the website with our release calendar has been updated through the end of 2017. So if you're wondering when your favorite show is coming out, now you'll know. Right. All the shows that we presently have dates for. Things yeah. may get added later as they are ready to premiere or whatever. Like Kingery is not on there yet because we don't know, you know, when it'll be ready to come back. So, But all of the shows that are running, uh, Shakespeare and Seminar and Henderson and Havner are up there through the rest of the year. So Woo! check that out. Yeah. That's cool. I want to mention that now that we are in production on Henderson and Havner season three. Yeah. Anna Rodriguez is going to be assistant director over there. Hooray! She was helping us out on Active Radio, Active Radio, which is now on hiatus. And so uh, she was free, and she said she'd help out over there, which is really cool. So thank you very much, Anna. You are awesome. Thank you. Yes, I agree that you are awesome. Seminar. Still need your scripts. Send some in, won't you, please? Please! 
please. Won't you please send us mm-hmm. some scripts? Also, I'm going to say this. Can some ladies send scripts to you? We could definitely use more from ladies. We do have some from ladies, of course, but the majority of them that we get are from the fellas. And we would also like to feature more lady voices and lady writers. So definitely, ladies, so send lady, your stuff in. If you've been thinking about it, yes, do it. Or Susan will margarita breath on you. I might. Also, Watch hugs, out. hugs and margarita breath. One thing I want to mention that we haven't in a while. It is always a good thing to poke you about again, you listeners out there. Stop by iTunes and leave our show some reviews. Would you hump, please? Maybe hump, please? That click would be some awesome. stars. You can look up any or all of our shows on iTunes and just click a, yeah, just click a star rating. That's it. That would be great. And if you want to leave like a one or two sentence review, that's even better. But you don't even have to. If you just click the star thing, that helps us a bunch too. So, you know, Go through cool. all of our stars. Have a go star our, party. Go through all of our stars. All of our shows. And leave stars. Right. A star party. Okay. Do it. You can be a star if you leave us some stars. We'll think you're a star. It'll make us stars. And you a star. Star. Party. (laughs) See, it's already a party. That's perfect. Okay. We did not rehearse this. No. (laughs) I I think it shows. You don't have to say. And I think it shows. Yes. All right. We mentioned before that we had some exciting news about big new projects that were coming and they're still moving along, mentioning that without being able to give you more details yet. But there's three different things in various stages of progression to where we can tell you about them, and that's going to be really cool. But we mentioned before there were four things, and one of those things is the big thing we're going to tell you about now. I was going to tell you earlier, but just remember, four minutes ago, Susan said, now you got to make him wait. So you blame her. I was right to wait. Okay, this so is a much better time. Here is the big news. One of the four big new secrety project things we've been working on for you. Active radioactive radio will of course be continuing. You probably suspected. Mhm. But but we're doing a pilot. Pilot. A, a full pilot. Not an audio pilot. This is going to be video. We have the whole cast. So you can see the people. The whole cast. We asked all the people if you could see them and they said okay. And much to our surprise and to their credit, they were all down for this absolutely crazy idea. So and it's been awesome. It's nuts. The script is done. It's out for them to go get the shooting done. Yeah. And then we're going to do the editing. We don't know when we'll be releasing it yet because obviously this is the first one. We haven't right. done this before. We have to do, we don't know how long the editing will take until we're ready with everything. So, um, But we have done the script. Script is out. We've been working with the people on their... Working with the people. On their... Sets and costumes. Yes. Oh, man. I know. It sounds weird, right? You're like, but... It's live. Jeffrey and Susan. It's your live. people are all over the place. No, we make it work. You'll see. We're going to make it work. You're going to see all of them. You're going to see the whole cast that uh-huh. survived season one. Super sorry about the one of you that didn't make it. Spoilers. Um, So, all of them. Dude. Dude. You're going to... I just... You will see them talking and interacting. Yeah. We're dying. We're dying right now. So cool. It's amazing. We have an opening title sequence. Right? It's got music just like the other show. Uh-huh. Uh, like the audio drama version. It's it's just, you're just going to flip. We're flipping. It's going to be so cool. So flipping cool. Yeah. 
if you it's want forking awesome some sneak peeks be sure you are following mountaintop stud on twitter yeah We'll generally retweet um, those things on the uh, Pendant account on Twitter at Pendant, Pendant Web, Web or on our Facebook page at Pendant Audio. Um, so you'll see, but you can already see there's a little, uh, uh, there's a couple of teaser pictures yeah. we, we leaked uh, recently. So you want to check that out. And as we get through more of production, we'll have some more teaser preview stuff for you coming out on that. So you just keep an eye out. It's going to be so cool. You're going to flip. It's so cool already. It's I'm, so cool. I mean, oh my God. It's so cool. Right? Right. From the center of the universe, New York City, New York, we have Jack Hawk on the line. Hello, Jack. Hello. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. This is Jack's interview, take two. Yeah. Long so, time no talk. Yeah. So we had an opportunity to do this live, and we did it live. Unfortunately, um, live kicked our butts, and mm-hmm. we're um, live on Skype. Yes, the, the the classic way of handling Skype interviews. Yes, with Skype. Yeah. So it's new to all of you, so um, we will have just as much fun, if not more, this time around. That's a hefty promise. We had a lot of fun last time. I know, but they don't know. Shh. No, that's okay. true. It's just you, me, and Jeffrey who know that now. Yeah, and oh, probably Susan too. <laughs> so um, let's let's start with uh, active radioactive radio, active radioactive radio. My mouth's already stopping on, on the working with the words. What was your inspiration for the suave dude Johnny Franks? Yeah. Um, so with Johnny, he came from. Uh, we were a long time ago, a long time ago, it was like five years ago. I was in high school, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I suppose to now I'm in graduate school. Um, Jeffrey was running a, uh, tabletop RPG and he wanted somebody for his, uh, to keep his players entertained as it were. <laughs> he, he had a, uh, <clears throat> a, a voice over, you know, he he played music and he had this he had characters talking in and out. And uh-huh. um I had done something similar, I believe, for Teresa Stacy previously. Or maybe I started after that. I'm not quite sure. But I'd done something like that before. And so when Jeffrey posted on Twitter, because I was very active on Twitter back then, uh Jeffrey asked, Hey, can anyone do this uh, help me do a voice for my uh tabletop game? And I was like, Well, sure, Jeffrey, you and I have been plotting together about Tabula Rasa, and I am happy to do that. And so we did, and a monster was born. I was the first to reply, so I was given the most work, <laughs> and I became Johnny Franks, um, who I don't know that I have like a, a particular vocal inspiration for him. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know Billy West has who voices Fry and Futurama and has done a whole host of other work. Always can name like the two different voices he combined to make one voice like he'll reference a cartoon and then an old yiddish film uh, <laughs> but uh for me it's just i read it and i was like oh this guy talks like this and he just does it's gotten to a point with johnny where i can turn him on and off because he has plagued uh every girl i've ever dated in my life um at some <laughs> point or another uh just because he's my go-to scummy voice <laughs> um, because it's that or buffalo bill uh so 
yeah, it's fun. Um, as far as like character inspiration, like the way that he behaves, uh, I, I like to compare him to Jenna Maroney on Thirty Rock. Jane Krakowski's character is just very self-absorbed, and you all love me, of course you do. What choice do you have? Right. Um, maybe a little bit less insecure, but it's because he doesn't have anyone to challenge his insecurity. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. How much uh, improvisation do you get to do with the uh, the submitted questions? Because unlike a lot of, or like really any of the other pendant shows, we're kind of breaking the fourth wall. I know Avalon did it a little bit back in the day with um, Voice of Freedom, but we're, we're kind of breaking the fourth wall where people are submitting questions to Johnny. Yeah, uh, so I don't write those at all. I have very little, uh, I mean, I do have a, st- I have a story about one, but the, uh, I have never written any of those questions, and Jeffrey and Susan don't write the questions. The questions are like, practic- are submitted uh, by real people, even by like by the first episode we had someone submitting a question, which is crazy that we were unproven and had like a, <laughs> a, a pendant fan out there it was like yeah here's one um but so i don't really improvise the answers either jeffrey and susan uh very meticulously script johnny um mm-hmm. because if you listen he does he's has the same refrains like every episode he says the same thing kind of like you can pretty much follow <clears throat> the non-plot elements he has a bunch of refrains that he goes back to moving on Johnny's mail sack. Yeah, he has a bunch of stuff that he likes to uh, say over and over and over again. Uh, he sticks to a script I, in universe as well as out of universe. Um, but there was one time when we got a question from uh, somebody on uh, somebody who was uh, known as Jizzig. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the. Um first part of my email address where I had sent my question. And uh, so so with that, I was genuinely unsure. In, in early episodes, what's great, the production uh, calendar for Active Radio, Active Radio was like about half as long as the other pendant shows because it doesn't require as much like aggressive mixing or, uh, you know, it's different because there's not a lot of like action sequences. There are some, especially in this last episode. But for the most part, it's just me sitting in a room talking. So somebody has to pick the takes, plug them in, and do the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is true. There's not a lot of interaction except in scenes with like Oksana and Katrina or Oksana and uh, I'm blank. The point is, it's a little, the production calendar is smushed a little bit. And we, uh, it gives me the chance that when I start to pronounce something new, uh, I can give them a bunch of different takes of it and, and find out in pretty short order which ones they decided to go with. Uh, I didn't have that luxury with this one, so I did a bunch of them, but the two that I did the most were JSG. Well, let me tell you, JSG. And then there was one that sounded just appropriately dirty enough that it was <laughs> Jizzig. Yeah. And uh, it stuck, and I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to answering more questions from Jizzig in the future. Um... I'll have to get on that. <laughs> yeah, please do. Johnny always loves your questions. Uh, so it's, yeah, that is my story about that. But for the most part, Jeffrey and Susan control my every word. I don't improvise on the show in general that much mm-hmm. uh, because I'm really bad at it. Um, I, I'm not Mindy Raskin and I'm not Pete Milan. I'm not Marlon Norton. <laughs> I can't, like, I don't have that talent for appropriately revising a script um, with, you know, on the fly. 
Um, I say that with love. I've cast all three of them on shows that I've written. Um, and uh, yeah, when I do try to improvise with Johnny, it gets like filthy really quickly. Uh, I don't remember the active radio, active radio rating. I can't remember if it's RPG 13, but whatever it is, I can only improvise a step above that. Uh, <laughs> so it's like not appropriate for whatever audience is intended for the show. Uh, yeah, that's the whole story. Johnny gets filthy when I improvise with him and you'll hear that like in the blooper reel, but it's not something that usually makes it into an episode. Well, I just remember listening to that while, um, I was at work and I was working with a customer who was doing her thing. I was doing my thing and I was previewing the show while I was, I was listening and you went down that road and I just busted out laughing and she just kind of looked at me and I said, okay, let me explain it. Now we have an independent listener. So you never know, right? Yeah. I'm thrilled <laughs> by that. I, it's one of those things like I, I like to imagine that there are a million stories like that. Johnny or Johnny rather Johnny likes to imagine that <laughs> with every inflection, he wins over a new heart, you know, <laughs> robotic or otherwise. Uh, well, there's ro- they're more like computational centers on robots, but sure. <laughs> so um, a little bit more about Johnny. Um, want to know, speaking as Johnny, because this show is very different from other shows that we do. It's, it's more, um, it kind of has a storyline to it, but it's, it's really a radio show. And with most radio shows we have music so we have our music in our loads what what's uh johnny's favorite kind of music uh well in in the season finale he makes very clear that he has one favorite song and it's take your pants off johnny um (laughs) but uh we talked about this a little bit in the uh we had a behind the scenes uh sort of panel uh, in lieu of the commentaries, we, we gathered the whole cast and crew together and kind of talked about the first season as a whole. And I, I'm not sure when that's coming out, but I'm sure it's soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that a little bit, about the process that Jeffrey and Susan actually go through out of universe to find that music. Uh, and in early episodes, it's all very brassy and, and kind of old-timey because of, you know, copyright restrictions are loosened a little bit as time goes by, right? Right. But uh, I, in general, I have found that Johnny seems to enjoy the kind of music he likes to think he could make himself if he just practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of folksy kind of stuff that you pick up. If he could find a guitar or like a horn and like clean it up a little bit, he could probably figure it out. Uh, versus if you handed him like a synth pad, he wouldn't know what to do with it because he wouldn't have the electricity to power it. Mm. Uh, yeah. The, the old timey folky kind of music actually seems apropos for the post-apocalyptic environment that that the show is set up in also yeah it's very like stripped down in a way that uh (laughs) stripped down (laughs) i Uh, see what you did there (laughs) thank you or wanted to do well intentions are everything baby um (laughs) i think oh my god what was the question (laughs) (laughs) oh the uh the appropriateness of the um, old-timey slash folksy music. Uh, oh, yeah. Given our, our yeah. post-apocalyptic environment. Yeah, I think it stands to reason uh, that if they grew up, and I, I, it's, it is implied in that already stated that Johnny was born in and grew up in this bunker, um, that if you grew up with, you know, not that much 
you know, or like or if you grew up without all the synths and stuff and, and any sort of like heavy musical equipment that you would like appreciate kind of an older style. It's kind of like, you know, your your old kind of racist grandpa likes big band music. You know, he like wants to go back and listen to Sinatra because he thinks that the the dubstep is too loud. I, I'm being very facetious right now. Um <laughs> I, I think there's an element to it of like it's just kind of what he's grown up around and has shaped his own tastes. I'm not like clear on where all the music came from for him in person and whether or not he has like a you know has any heavy metal or like Dutch show tunes in that uh, you know like I don't think he has the Hamilton record maybe he does maybe he has like the Hamilton cast album in that <laughs> list but he doesn't like it because he doesn't get it um, because it's so foreign to him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that made sense. And, and I, I think in one sense, post-apocalyptic is complex in its own way, but it's also, things are much simpler, kind of circa 1800s, 1700s. Yeah, I mean, there are people whose job it is to go find cans, you know? Right. Like, uh, there's a guy who's literally just the mayor's personal muckraker, Uh so I, I don't mean to imply that things were less sophisticated just because they're older, but I think that it harkens back to a, a pre-modernity. Yeah. Uh, both in the way that they live and in the music that they enjoy. We didn't have soccer moms back then. No. And it well, was, yeah. You weren't scheduling everything, you know, every minute of the day. It was a lot looser, a lot yeah. calmer. Well, that, <laughs> Yeah, this is this is kind of an aside, but like you gotta wonder, the women who would have become soccer moms back then, what did they do instead? You know, <laughs> or like the guys that became football coaches now. I guess they were soldiers, Man. but like I, you know, I don't know, like accountants. What were what were the accountants doing back then? Were they writing poems or? Anyway, that's super irrelevant to this conversation. <laughs> Our shows make people think. Hopefully, yeah. Um, so when, when I wrote that question for, for Johnny, um, knowing that it was you and all of the other stuff that you do with Pendant, my -hmm. question was specifically designed, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, to, to get you working on season three of Tabula Rasa. Yeah. So, Um, and. Well, it did. Oh, good. Yay. Um, (laughs) So I, I, we have a question that was submitted, and I'm going to read it as written because otherwise I just won't do it justice if I paraphrase it. Um, and I'm going to give it my best shot, so apologies to the author, should I not, but I'm going to give it my best shot here. <laughs> um, yeah, figuring out who the author of this question is isn't really that big of a stretch. Um, all right, so the question reads, and mind you, it came in all caps. When is Tabula Rasa coming back? Oh my gosh. Tell us, please. I'm dying here. Literally dying in a dungeon of my own making. I've got the rumblies that only Tabula Rasa can satisfy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that last time, and I have the same reaction now. Uh, I love that video. Um, yeah, soon, man. I Yes, it. this past summer there was uh, a lot of work done on it uh, between 
college and graduate school uh, knocked out most of the bulk of the remaining work. Um, we are down to the last episode, and it's it's a thing where I'm I'm trying to write it in uh, a Netflixy way, in the sense that, and this was at Jeffrey's urging and advice because the threads are so woven, you know, and it's a show with a lot of small storylines and small hints. Um, I'm trying to get it all at once so I can change things at the beginning before they go into production uh, and change things, you know, in the middle before they go into production, uh, judging by what I find the story needs by the end. And I think it's been great because I did have to go back and sort of rework uh, a bit of Jane's personal journey uh, in this season because I think a complaint that I've heard slash am aware of as a a failing in earlier seasons, not, not a failing, but Jane does a lot of being moved by the story and doesn't move in the story as much. And so I've been trying really hard um, to give her control of her own story this third season um, in a way that she hasn't had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, yeah, I there's a lot. I, I dropped a hint in the last interview. There is there are a co- there is a small arc, uh, a small arc, it's a couple episodes that we are in a prison. Um, and that in and of itself, it was a lot, uh, but it's very cool. Uh, right. it follows the structure of season two in the sense that I think there are two, <clears throat> excuse me, big halves to the season, uh, split in the middle by uh, a kind of episode where, where everything stops a little bit. And there's a lot of sitting in a room for a while and just talking, mm. um, because the middle of season two is, is the big. A hostage exchange episode where Danica has Liza and we learn that Ganymede is who Ganymede is. We learn that Cal is not real, that you're right, you know, all that stuff. Spoilers, I guess. The show's been out for a couple of years. Um, yeah, so I'm talking about it a lot because I promise there's a lot. It's mostly done. Uh, and I'm very excited by it. Would you say that Tabula Rasa is kind of like the reverse of Breaking Bad? Yeah. Uh, this was like a real question that was submitted. That's crazy. It, this was, yeah, and and I, I I prefaced this last time with that I was not into Breaking Bad, so I'm kind of at the at the whim of the question. But yeah, this one was submitted, and yeah, well, thank yeah, thank you for the question. I'm very flattered by any comparison to Breaking Bad because I think it is a masterpiece of a show. I really do. Um, I have to add that to my Netflix queue then. Oh my god, it's so good. Just watch the first three episodes. If once you're through the first three episodes, you're not gonna be able to stop. I'm serious. All right. Um, the yeah, I I don't know that I would compare it to Breaking Dad. Breaking Breaking Dad. It's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a different uh, show. Let's see, yeah, Breaking Bad. I think came out started airing in 2008. I probably started watching it in 2012. So by then, I had written probably the first season and a half of the show. Maybe that's not true. Maybe like the first nine episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was not intentionally created with Breaking Bad in mind in the way that it was created with Lost in mind, um, in that it takes a lot of cues from Lost and in a lot of ways is uh, an homage to the shows on NBC and ABC in the mid-2000s, like Heroes, Lost, and uh, Journeyman were the three uh, that I still think about a lot with it. Um, oh, you and I have to talk about Journeyman sometime. Oh, yeah. It was a great show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know necessarily because I think that Breaking Bad uh, on a level is so much Walter's story, and it is also other people's story, but it is Walter's story to the exclusion of most else. Um, but 
Tabula Rasa is very much an ensemble show, even though it is not initially presented that way and probably will not conclude that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very much... Uh, where Breaking Bad is a story of one man... I, I, well, I'm, My understanding of Breaking Bad, having watched it twice through, uh, is that it is a man coming to terms with the darkness inside of him, learning that he loves it, and letting it lead him to uh, its natural consequence. Breaking Bad, or uh, Tabula Rasa, excuse me, uh, if it were the reverse Breaking Bad, I, I would imagine that either means that it is uh, finding the light within yourself and letting the light lead you to um, a new, to its consequence, which is uh, not a bad pitch for the show. It's not necessarily my intention. Um, but I, I think it is so nonlinear in the sense that it kind of starts in the middle and you have to flat, you have to kind of build the piece, you put the pieces back together. Mm-hmm. Um and it's more about forging oneself, uh, changing who oneself is and not coming to terms with what's already there. I think that's kind of the point. Um, in the sense that Breaking Bad is about, he doesn't wipe the slate clean. In fact, the things on the slate crash in on top of him. Uh, Tabula Rasa, she does wipe the slate clean, and it's about fighting those things back. Mm-hmm. So yes, kind of. The last time I answered this question, I was like, no. But now, the more that I think about it, yeah, actually, kind of, <laughs> kind of but not intentionally. Uh, yeah. Any new characters that we're going to see this season that you can tell us about? <sighs> <laughs> I know where you're going with this, but I, I will answer the same way I answered last time, which is, um, oh, there are two new characters, one of whom has been mentioned. I, Named characters. There are a couple side characters, like mm-hmm. you know, extras. Uh, but there are two main characters whose name, or two not main characters, two named characters mm-hmm. who uh, will be introduced. One of them, I'm not afraid to say, we'll we'll put the casting call up for him. Is the mayor? The mayor will make an appearance, mm-hmm. um, and then the other one, uh, we're gonna keep her under the under wraps for a little bit because okay. I think she's fun. The less we know about her, the better. But yes, there will be two new named characters. Um, is there a character in particular that you were asking about, Jordan? Um, well, no discussion of Tabula Rasa and its characters would be complete without a question of whether we are going to see Allender in season three. Uh, the mena- the specter of Allender has escaped <laughs> the show entirely. I'll put it that way. Uh, there are two things about the show that continue to surprise me. And they're both the popularity of certain characters. It's the popularity of Ganymede. Uh, mm-hmm. It used to surprise me. It doesn't anymore because now I get it. He's great. Yeah, Ganymede, um, Ganymede is a very interesting character. Yeah, a lot of that is Jason also. Um, yeah, yeah. But most of it is Jason. Yeah, but um, another part of it is – or the other thing that surprises me is, Alan, is the Allender thing. And a lot of it comes down to one very special fan <laughs> of the show. Uh, Landon Bell, we're going to put you on blast right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the specter of Allender has not escaped uh, the show, and he will return in some capacity, but not. <laughs> he will not appear on screen because, uh, you know, maybe I won't make any promises. Uh, as of right now, there are no plans to make him appear on screen, but I have another two digits of pages to write, and uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. All right. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the the mention of someone that we you get just enough information about to go. I want to know more, and then you never get it, and you go, I want to know more. Well, I think uh, yeah, yeah, and it started I think as a as a fan theory about who 
Uriah was mm. was uh, the idea was it was their boss, um, Allender. Yeah, I think only one. one Yes. Now I'm just reminiscing about Tabula Rasa. Dave Morgan was the one who called it. And it wasn't it was before he started mixing the show. Um, but he just recognized Cat Pride uh Cat Pride's uh speech patterns <laughs> from voicing Geist on <laughs> many years ago. Um so yeah. I cuz I tried to I remember I sat down and I tried to decipher um or maybe Colin did, or Colin and I both did that. But we tried to go through Anna's mix mm-hmm. and like pick out who it sounded like. And it sounded a lot like Lynn Cullen, who plays Liza. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I'm very, very pleasantly surprised that it was, uh, that Dave was able to figure that out. But yes, Allender's popularity, I believe, began as a fan theory about who uh, Uriah was. Ah, uh, the sounds of New York in the background. Um, yeah, there it is. I am on the twelfth floor right now, just for reference. So that is loud. <laughs> if you're wondering who Geist is and what Cat Pride has to do with Geist, um, I refer you to the wonderful serial um, Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion that that show, and you get to hear Cat Pride do some over the top awesomeness in that show as Geist. Yeah, Dixie's the OG, man. That The granddaddy of them all, I think. Yeah. Uh, we, we owe everything to Dixie. <laughs> yeah. When you were writing season three, was there any particular character arc that you ended up writing that surprised you? Did, did a character just kind of go off on its own in a way that you didn't expect? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I could I could say that. Um, I, I think I told you this last time. The... I had read an interview with Bo Willimon, who um, uh, coincidentally was in the same graduate program I am now. But uh, he created House of Cards, and he just left the show. And he had done this interview where he said, I tell my writer's room, excuse me, um, I tell my writer's room, we need to exhaust every idea that we have uh, every season. And so I I did not really do that with any character but Raphael. Um, But... Jeffrey, I had gotten a note uh, on the season two finale where Jeffrey was like, this is not, you, you can't end Raphael's story here. It's dumb. Or you can't end the episode like this. Because uh, the episode had previously ended with Ganymede Mead walking into Oregon City and putting his hands up and being like, uh, you know, my name is Terry Morris and I used to be a victor and I need you to, uh, and I'm here to save your ass. Um, so my solution to that was to go and just throw an idea at the wall with Raphael and see if it stuck. And it did. And I, so all that to say in season three, Raphael goes on some wacky adventures and not wacky in like a fun way, wacky in a poor Chris Hackney. The guy's got a voice a lot. (laughs) I felt worse before I started. I I felt worse about writing it before I started writing Johnny (laughs) or before I started playing Johnny full time. (laughs) Um, because it's a lot of lines for him. It's going to be a great challenge for him. Uh, but yeah, he goes off and does his has his great storyline, and I, I'm not saying he's off on his own on his own. He interacts with our other characters for sure, but he has his own uh, strange goals that I don't even know that he understands. Um, and it's a it's a cool storyline. Is all I'm gonna say. Okay, well, definitely looking forward to you finishing and um, yeah, and, yep. and getting yes, to hear Mom. that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you did this other really big thing with Pendant. Um, which got you, and congratulations, by the way, on your sexiest male voice. I'll never Thank get you. it. 
Pandy, uh, for Ivar. Yes, Ivar the Time Walker. I am a <laughs> big fan of Ivar the Time Walker. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I joked about this in my Pendy speech, but uh, I've been with Pendant. My first Pendant role uh, that aired, I believe, was on the Kingery season three, episode five, and that was many moons ago now. Mm. Um, that was fifteen. Is is the point of that story? So I. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you guys waited. Uh, <laughs> Ivar is great. Uh, he is has this. The, the more I read his book, uh, the more I love him. Um, and it's different because this this first he has to be mistaken for Jesus, and uh, so a lot of what I, you know, my audition and then my my portrayal of the character was well, if you were to, if you were voicing Jesus or or someone who could be confused for Jesus? What would you do? Uh, and <laughs> Ivar just kind of, <laughs> yeah, Ivar just kind of happened mm-hmm. um, as a result of that. Um, which I think answers one of your, one of your other questions, which is where does the voice come from? And it's just, well, this is what a naked 5,000 year old Babylonian who's trapped between seconds would sound like, okay. um, which is very, Deep voiced. I've, I've never voiced a character this deeply. Um, yes. Perfect. <laughs> More, please. <laughs> so you you win the sexiest male voice, Pandy, and you then tell this to your girlfriend. How does that go over? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, yeah, it was basically she had to double check to make sure it wasn't for Johnny. Um, and then, because she she had been aware, I got I think that I got the role before I started dating my current girlfriend, um, and mm-hmm. so it had kind of always been something going on, and, and so I guess that's how long I've been doing that because I've been dating her for a while now. Uh, I don't know what was the story I t- like. You seem to remember a story that I told that I can't remember telling right now. Oh, um, I think it was it went over well. Moving on, <laughs> or something oh, yeah. like that. It was perfect. Moving on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was just kind of like, great, good for you. And then we went, yeah, life went on. <laughs> so you are the definitive voice of Ivar the Time Walker for this comic property. Yes. You are it. I know. It's so, great. Um, how, how does that, you know, how do you wrap your brain around that? I mean, it's kind of crazy because the character's been around since, like, it's older than I am, um, which I know is not, like, hard. Like, the Lion King's older than I am, right? But uh, <laughs> it's not it's not quite, but that's what, I, that's what I tell people who are, like, even a little bit older than I am is I was still in the hospital being born when the Lion King came out. Um, or after being born. I, I was in the hospital for a while after being born. Uh, and the what is this what is the point of the story that i'm telling oh yeah so the character is older than i am and so it's weird and i feel like um i haven't i haven't gone back and looked at pre-reboot ivar because he seems to be kind of different um but it's neat to be like the establishing you know sort of uh set a precedent hopefully you know uh even if i don't get to keep playing him which i would love to by the way mm-hmm. valiant i know you're filming stuff for your web series for uh you know, for your, for your, uh, properties in New York. If you need, you need anything, hit me up. Um, it's been very cool. It has been 
very cool. And I would love to do more because the next uh, Archer and Armstrong uh, trade volume, which I would assume if we were to continue would, you know, I don't want to assume, but if they were to continue the Archer and Armstrong stories, uh, he breaks out of time and goes on like adventures with them mm-hmm. uh, for a little bit before going off to his own title. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's exciting. Um, and I love him. <laughs> So, how do you take them to the next level? If if we get to do another partnership with Valiant like that, how do you, how do you take them to the next level? Uh, well, I got to learn how to make him funny, um, because he's really not funny in the version that he's very serious. There's a lot of gravitas, and so just kind of in my life, just walking down the street, I've been like slipping into the voice and trying to make him more human rather than you know like an alien Babylonian sort of. You know, the way that a guy who hasn't really talked to people in 5,000 years would sound, which is how he sounds now. Mm. Um, because in his own title, at least, I have not I have not read the next segment of Archer and Armstrong, uh, or the next trade of Archer and Armstrong. I just saw the cover, and he's on it. Um, in the ne- in his own title, he's like kind of like the 13th Doctor. He's very, like, Scott Bakula meets Peter Capaldi in, in the sense that he, or with a, with a little bit of Matt Smith. Um <laughs> in the sense that he's like very easygoing, very smooth. He like runs into himself. And then this is the first uh, uh, issue of his, of his own title, which I've read also uh, where he runs into himself and he goes, Hey, sexy. Um, <laughs> and he goes, ah, you're with her right now. Watch out. And then he leaves. Um, <laughs> so I, there's something about the easygoing, like playful nature that I would need to grasp if, if Ivar were to go any further, Okay, but I am, up to the challenge, I promise. <laughs> okay, so let's um, let's switch gears and go from a man without a body to a man that, and I use the term man loosely here, um, that's more of a paramecium kind mm-hmm. of body. Um, with Kalok, how do you tackle giant one-celled organism? You don't. You just fall inside. Um, All right. But <laughs> 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 up. Yeah, uh, well, it's tough, but I, I think uh, in a lot of ways he's a very stiff upper lip. Uh, a stiff upper lip, oh, I should have used that last time, uh, is kind of how I would describe Kalok in the sense that he is a very um, uptight sort of collected self, which is interesting for someone who's made of goo, but also like kind of not. Uh, Odo on Deep Space Nine was a big influence on him for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um because both are made out of goo and have holes up their metaphorical butts. But, um, <laughs> you know, he uh, is very... I've lost track of the question. Um, how do I handle him? Yeah, I mean, he's very he's very British without being British. Uh, mm-hmm. Stereotypically British. Very, you know, lay back and think of England. Um, <laughs> he speaks in a very formal manner. Um, mm-hmm. And this is how he sounds without the voice filter on top of him it's not as fun i'm using contractions which kalak doesn't do but um yeah uh, yes i believe i've answered your question i think of um kalak is kind of that well-mannered kingsman gentleman spy um that we that you see colin firth play uh yeah. in kingsman or that aspect of bond or you know that kind of thing yeah it's and funny. even right he, before he engulfs somebody yeah i mean he's kind of a gross colin firth 
uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm a big fan of Colin Firth. Like I, I was once told that I reminded somebody of Colin Firth, and I was flattered for days. Um, that sounds really braggy. I don't mean it that way. Um, but he, yeah, he is kind of Colin Firthy. I haven't thought about that. Uh, but there's something about his dynamic with Tommy that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that he should be, well, I, I think with um, Cassandra, excuse me, uh, he was more of a valet, um, valet bodyguard, sort of, sort of like John Diggle was was for the first like three episodes of Arrow before he like figures out that Arrow is the Arrow and right. you know goes and joins his superhero team, um, in the sense that he was like protection and also carrying her crap. Um, and so to go to a place where his skills are utilized in a different way, maybe not like a way that he's 100% satisfied with, but also to work for a boss who looks at him funny because he worked for, you know, worked for his sister. And also he's a weird alien with a lot of weird habits who does weird things and doesn't look like he does, you know, um, it's yeah. very interesting. And his I sister find... tried to kill him. Yes, that's true. Um, so that I, I enjoy their, the burgeoning friendship between Tommy and Kalak. And I, I missed that this past season and I would like to see more. Uh, Tommy and Kalok interacting because I think that he is uh, while he does seem to have taken uh, I would say Jawbone's place in the organization kind of um, not Jawbone uh, the place that Major held under Jawbone mm-hmm. uh, if Major was Jawbone's number two and then Major stepped up to number one then I think Kalok has finally filled the position that Bull had uh, under Major and um, is is kind of Major's number two <laughs> Which says a little bit about their relationship also. I don't think he lets himself be number two in their relationship, but he's willing to defer to her as his boss uh, when he needs to. And and I think everybody loves Mage, Mage Lock. I love Mage Lock, too. I have loved it from the first inkling. Um, <laughs> that's kind of a gross word when you're talking about like a big, slimy paramecium guy. Um, yeah, I love it, too. I think they're very charming. I think that they genuinely are growing a lot as a result of the relationship with each other mm-hmm. um which is great uh i hope kayla comes back i'm i'm still not even sure he was left in a in a in dire straits at the end of last season mm. so we'll see so um we've got tabula rasa we've got radioactive radio active radioactive radio um archer and armstrong kingery Mm-hmm. And you are the voice of Wild Bill. Yes, I am. That's the only one I can't drop into. Like the other ones, I, I answered in their voices. I can't drop into Wild Bill's voice. I gotta, I gotta psych myself up. Um, so you were. Not, pr- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just not gonna do that right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you reprised uh, Wild Bill for Romeo and Juliet, the sitcom. Yeah, that was fun. Um, he was first introduced uh as part of the big 10-year anniversary hootenanny uh mm-hmm. that i believe pete mylan wrote yep. with others uh or possibly by himself i don't recall i remember pete wrote it because it was a very pete script um <laughs> uh, that is a, a huge compliment by the way um and yes and and so i had taken part in kind of like helping getting it together mm-hmm. and i was at that point already kind of a a, a pendant what is the word I'm looking for? Usual suspect, I guess. <laughs> um, in that I was around a lot. I was hosting, tw- maybe I wasn't hosting. No, you were hosting the interviews on Twitter yep. by then. Um, but I had hosted them for uh, a while. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and I wrote Tabula Rasa, but I didn't have any major acting roles. This was before Quick Audio. This was before um, all the other things that we've previously mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, so someone, maybe it was Landon, maybe it was Paul Brueggemann, maybe it was Pete. I'm not sure. Somebody, one of those three, asked me to voice Wild Bill uh, for the purposes of that uh, little sketch that we did. And that was great. And then Landon just out of the blue was like, hey, I want to include Wild Bill in the trailers for this show. Would you uh, do it? And so I did it for Romeo and Juliet, the sitcom. And I do not believe I'm on this play, but who knows what dreams may come uh, in the future. <laughs> okay. Um, so of all the characters that you've voiced or that you've written, um, if one of your characters ever ran for president, which one would you vote for? Huh. Uh, I don't remember my answer to this question last time. I'm sure I started with Johnny Franks and then realized, you no, did. that's awful. Um, <laughs> Actually, you did. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds like me. Um, yeah, of characters I've created or played, uh, like Kalok. I like Kalok. I don't know that he has like the the confidence to properly run the government, and also I think he has to be born in the United States. Um, <laughs> and. God, I don't remember what my answer to that was. I, like, I've written two characters who have actually run for president. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I decided on Sandy McGrath. Yes. What I decided on. That's yes. Um, because she's got the credentials. She's a dedicated public servant. She like I wouldn't I wouldn't get a beer with her, but like she is without a doubt like uh, dedicated to her country. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's worked for the government for a long time. She is uh, very firm. She's a little paranoid. Which, like, you know, that worries me given our current political climate. But also, I think it would help her keep herself alive. So, um, sure. it didn't. It didn't help the real zombie. But if she ran for president, um, I believe I would vote for Sandy McGrath. I believe in Sandy McGrath. <laughs> and I think the perfect VP pick would be Allender. <laughs> You're welcome, Landon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Probably not the two villains who ran for president on that show. No, no, no. So, um, recently, you've been um, tweeting um, a good bit about um, a Broadway show. And being in New York, uh-huh. I envy your your access to Broadway. Um, you were tweeting quite a bit about Hamilton. Yes, I love Hamilton. I really do. I... Genuinely, you even mentioned like, earlier that Johnny might have uh, some Hamilton Hamilton. music I did in the bunker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst. Uh, he, yeah, Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. Uh, I love Hamilton. I can say proudly and a little, like in a little bit of an "I told you so" kind of thing. Uh, I found back when there were like only ten thousand views of this video on YouTube, which is still a lot, but not that many of um, the video of Lynn manuel Miranda singing the first uh, number from Hamilton, um, which is now titled Alexander Hamilton, uh, at the White House for, like, the White House Poetry Jam in, like, 2010 or 2011. It was, it was during Obama's first term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a big fan. I literally, I downloaded it from YouTube and put it on my phone to listen to to work out. And I was, a, I was like, you guys... In a couple of years, there's going to be a musical about Alexander Hamilton, and I'm really excited. I swear to God, I I was on the Hamilton train before it was big, so I love Hamilton to death, and I still haven't seen it. Um, what? 
I know because the tickets are crazy, uh, yeah. and I want to see the New York production. Because um, I, I did, I grew up in the Chicago area, but um, although Wayne Brady as Aaron Burr is a big draw for me, so oh, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. So but I know you have a question about it. Yes. Anything. So, what is your favorite song from it? That is "Wait for It," uh, which is the the song Aaron Burr sings when uh, he is bummed out that Hamilton just got married and inherited this large amount of money and is kind of getting everything that he wants. And Aaron Burr is like, "But I I have all this already, and I'm slowly losing it." Uh, yeah, it's great. It's a great song. Um, it has got it got me through a period in my life when I was uh, ready to graduate from undergrad. And uh, ready for the next big thing. And then I, I got into grad school. And even then, I was like, now I'm impatient. Come on. Now you got to get to grad school. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And now I'm finally hearing it. I don't listen to the song as much. But um, Wait For It is my jam. All right. Um, before we do bullet questions, we'll change it up a little bit. Are you working on other projects you want to put out there? I am. Um, just other oh, two. Uh, we'll talk about the global one first. I am in the next season of Archive 81, uh, which is produced by Dead Signals Productions. Uh, they're based here in New York. They're in Brooklyn. Um, and I had the uh, great pleasure of going down to Brooklyn and recording uh, for an episode with them. I'm playing a mercenary commander. Uh, in the fourth episode of their new season, I believe episode one just dropped uh, of their second season. Uh, okay. It's great. Cool. It's like ten episodes. It's each episode is like 20 minutes. It's some great, like, it's horror for the subway is what I've described it as before. And it's really <laughs> great. It's, it's not like scary horror. It's like interesting horror. Um, the New York in subway a way, could be horror. Well, it's like why it's like reading Lovecraft a little bit, except without the racism, uh, or the colonialism. Uh, it's just good old fashioned, interesting horror, inventive horror. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so yeah, that a couple episodes, um, from now i'm in episode four episode one just dropped the other thing that i'm working on if you are in new york i co-wrote a play called the ensign's wife with a playwright named anna jastremsky uh who is also in my graduate program with me and we are uh opening that short play along with a series of other short plays written by uh, other people uh on the upper west side on february 20th um and if people are interested in that i will be tweeting about it as february uh, begins and then I'll shut up about it once it closes. And that's not that far away. No. Did I mention it's an adaptation from of Othello? I think I did. Um, if you didn't, this time you just did. Yes, um, exactly. It's and, from the perspective of Amelia. There in fact, go. when people listen to this, it will already be February. So keep an eye out on um, Jack's Twitter, which is uh, at Jack T Kalk, um, C A L K. Is how you spell my last name. Awesome. Yeah. He put some other stuff out there too. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I should tweet a little bit more. I, I need to take a look at who I follow on Twitter. I, I tweet more than I read Twitter now, basically. Okay. All right. You were well prepared last time for these. I was. I was. So here we go with bullet questions. Ready? Yes. Favorite Muppet? Kermit the Frog. Excellent. Favorite pizza toppings? Pepperoni. Marvel hero or villain? Oh, I'm sorry. Go back. Buffalo chicken. I didn't say that last time, but it's what I meant. Buffalo chicken. Buffalo chicken pizza is the best. All right. Uh, favorite Marvel hero or villain? Uh, Jessica Jones. Okay. DC hero or villain? Oh, this is a tough one. Right now, I'm on a Doctor Fate kick. Okay. Favorite New York borough? Manhattan, baby. <laughs> Chicago pizza or New York pizza? 
Ah, uh, Chicago pizza. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Yankees or Mets? Uh, I have Mets fans as friends, so the Mets. All righty. Is there another baseball team you want to give a shout out to? That's my Cubbies. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it was a great year. <laughs> it was a great week. Cubs won. It was great, and then the world changed. <laughs> People can find me on Twitter at JG underscore QA, or they can find me on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash J-O-R-D-A-N.G-O-T-T-L-I-B-L-I-E-B dot five zero three six. Nope, never got around to changing it. <laughs> We've done what? How many of these now? And You've I, interviewed me three times. This is the third, yeah. And, <laughs> well, the fourth, technically. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and the third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about changing it the first time, because you were like my second interview. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jeffrey was first and you were second. I'm honored. Thank you so much for taking the time again. Um, oh, absolutely. Had a blast hanging out, um, but uh, technical this and that forced our paths to cross virtually once again. Yes. And um, I appreciate you taking the time and doing this with me. Oh, not a problem. And um, we will send this back to Jeffrey and Susan. It's over, it's over, it's over, just the interview is over. It's over, it's over, it's over, just the interview is over. Coming out Wednesday, February 8th, Sonnets 11, The Pen and Shakespeare. Teach me. I've been in your ward for six months, and you've lollygagged me for the last time. The Sonnets Part 11 is out next month at PendantAudio.com, and I'm still not free of these Sonnets voices. Even if I told you where to find their leader, you won't change anything with that temperament. Sensei, do you know what it's like to have disembodied voices probing your thoughts, implanting their poetic lines into your mind day in and day out? For shame. Deny that thou bearst love to any who for thyself art so unprovident. Grant, if thou wilt, thou art beloved of many, but that thou none lovest is most evident. For thou art so possessed with murderous hate that gainst thyself thou stick'st not to conspire. They're right, you know. You're so consumed by hate that you've forgotten how to love life. Did, did you? Did you hear the voices too, Sensei? My student, haven't you seen all along? I've taught you how to control the sonnets in your head. They are a great power, one you can use to teach others the ways of the bard. That's not good enough. This is my mind. I want it back. Oh, that you were yourself. But, love... You are no longer yours than you yourself here live. Against this coming end, you should prepare. And your sweet semblance to some other give. My sweet semblance? That's exactly what I'm going to give their leader when I find him. If you do this, you'll destroy yourself. If I do, then I do it on my terms. Stop. Don't. Come back. Don't make your ending a tragedy. Coming out Wednesday, February 22nd. Seminar, episode 73. 
Next, on an all-new seminar. Excuse me? Just a minute, hon. You don't meet these people every day. So, how you doing this evening? Fine, fine. Uh, 50? Sure you don't have nothing smaller? Sorry, I was lucky to even find that. Is, is there a gas station around here? I'm running on empty. But when you do... Be patient now. Don't want things to get ugly. Be careful who you trust. <laughs> <laughs> and then... This forum is now in session. Catastrophes bring people together for the better. Think he'll do it? Think he won't? Or for the worse. We don't need more rules. We need more food. Now just listen. Kids are dying and you care about food? We can't protect our kids if we're starving. Let's all just relax. Who put you in charge? Anna is right. We all need to settle down. And then... <sighs> the stupid thing's solar cells drained. Alice has found herself. Stuck. In the dark. Not good. Ow! Damn it! What the... Smooth. It's cold. It's not stone. This hasn't seen the light of day in a very long time. I wonder. Find out what happened only at PendantAudio.com. La la la, the show is almost done. All right, that's the the end of the show. Holy cow, that yeah. was quick. Uh, I will mention one last little thing for you um, that I was going to mention with the preview things, uh, the preview trailers, but we don't have a date for it yet, but I'm supposing it'll probably be sometime in February, is that we recorded a uh, roundtable discussion with the cast and crew oh, yeah! of Active Radio, Active Radio, because the show didn't have commentary tracks because, you know, it was just one person talking for most of the show, depending on who the person was, or music, and so we felt that would be really awkward to keep talking over. It was, it was difficult to do a normal commentary So we thought we'd for. just do a gab session. Yeah, so we all got together and chatted for about an hour about the season. And so um, I don't have a hard date for that yet, but I suspect it'll be out sometime in February. So look for that coming as well. All right. All right. Be sure to stop by the website at PendantAudio.com, the Yahoo group at groups.yahoo.com slash group slash Pendant. The um, Twitter feed at twitter.com slash PendantWeb, the the Facebook at facebook.com slash pendant audio, the Tumblr, pendantaudio.tumblr.com, and we're also on the YouTubes at Pendant Productions. Wow, I really brain farted through that. I haven't mm. done one of these since December, you know, because we have the Pendies last month, so. Yeah, it was yeah, a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> it's okay. Okay. We'll see you back here next month. This is Susan Bridges. And Jeffrey Bridges. Thanks for listening. Happy 2017. Although, I guess it's not so happy yet, but we're going to keep making shows. So, hopefully there'll be a small, bright spot in your day that is otherwise um, the world burning on fire. Creatives, woo! Creatives, woo! Yay! Yay. We're here for you. Thank you. 
I, you know, I'm a little bummed that we can't keep that last recording because the last time that we did it, I had a great quote about Susan running the show, and I was sure it would make it into the end of the <laughs> credits. I have a margarita.